hey, I'm so excited for next week. Next week is our Feed One weekend, and so we've been preparing for the last few months because I want you to be prepared for this. Um, and so we're going to be, uh, as a church, seeing how many how many kids we can sponsor this next year um, and going on into the future, how many kids in, in Haiti. Um, I'm really excited about it. What's really great is once we sponsor some kids, uh, maybe next year or in the, in the coming near future, take a team of us to go to Haiti to go see uh, these kids that we sponsor. Maybe do a service project and build a kitchen or something for the, uh, the, the ministry or organization that's helping them. Uh, it would just be a great way to impact a, a city and a community in, in one, probably the poorest um, uh, country in, our, in, in the Western Hemisphere. And so it would be, it's, it's going to be an awesome uh, uh, opportunity for us as a church. So I'm excited about that. Uh, today we're starting a new series. Uh, it's a series on the heart. And we're building it up because next week I want you to be prepared for this, and, and, I, and I think it's going to be a, um, a, just something unique for our church as we begin to pour into uh, into, into kids that really need it. Uh, before we jump into the, to the message, I want to say welcome all those watching Facebook or listening online. Thank you for tuning in to The Grove. Uh, I have a great group of people here in the theater. I had a great month in October of At The Movies. Uh, guest speaker last week did a great job. Randy, if you want me to tell you, thank you for allowing him to come and speak. And uh, we heard some great uh, just stories that have come from that, how God used uh, his his word that he shared with us to just do some really, some good in our lives, and uh, we're we're thankful for that. And so today we're starting a series in the heart, and uh, I'm, I'm excited for this uh, because on our journey, our faith journey. So before I jump in, let me say this: if you're unchurched, if you're not a Christian, if, if you're new new to this environment, I want to say welcome. Uh, what I'm going to be talking about today is going to be something that's very key to the heart of God and, and to what we believe that the Bible tells us as far as the kind of people God is looking for. So if your experience is maybe you're unfamiliar with the church, you came on a great week because you're going to have some insight into what it, what it means to be the kind of people that God wants us to be uh, on this earth to represent him. So uh, being a Christian means you're, we're following Christ's example, we're following his lead, and today we're going to talk about one of those crucial elements to our, our walk with God and in our relationship with God that helps us to, to be the kind of people he wants us to be. And so uh, if you are a guest, thanks for coming, and we're glad you're here. Um, and so today we're going to talk about the first part of of, 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 of the heart series we're doing. And I'm going to talk about love giving and why why it's important for us to love giving. And we're going to walk through that. Uh, because one of the things that we find in the Bible, that generosity is one of the key elements that we find throughout the scriptures. Uh, throughout, the, throughout the scriptures. And, and we're going to talk about what that looks like. Because uh, next week we're asking you guys, would you consider being generous? Would you open your heart? Would you open your life? Uh, would you sponsor a kid who needs help? Uh, $10 a month. And so we're wanting to prepare for this and say, why is this so important? And today I'm going to give you the why. We're going to talk about what, what it means and, and why God established this throughout the Bible. And we're going to go through that. Um, and so especially as we go into the season now of, of Thanksgiving and we're going to the Christmas, it's just a very appropriate time for us to begin thinking about others, right? We begin to think about buying gifts. We begin to thinking about uh, being able to help those that, that need help. Um, and our mind just shifts there. And so it's, it's good. And we're going to talk about why, why that's a great time for us as, as Christ followers to make an impact in our world. And so we're going to talk about that. In in as Christians, we follow uh, the teaching of Jesus. We, we say, all right, if Jesus taught it, then we should model that. We should do that. Um, in his very first message called the Sermon on the Mount, he begins to give this teaching about what it means to be part of the kingdom of God and what God is looking for, what God is expecting. And here's the thing. Jesus was not about religion. He, he, in fact, the people that he made the, the most mad were the religious people because he was trying to go push against something that they established that was ritual and routine, and they got in the motions, and he said, you're missing the point. Yeah, you might be doing the right things, but you're doing it the wrong way, which means you don't even understand why it was asked of you in the first place to do these things. And so Jesus is pushing against these things and saying, if you want to be part of the kingdom of God, here's what I, what I want you to do. In fact, he says this, he says, when you pray, so as Christ followers, he's expecting that prayer to be part of our life. When you fast, fasting is a spiritual discipline where we go without food, 
Um, it's a great discipline. We'll talk more about that another time. Is when you pray, when you fast, and when you give. And so he's saying as people that follow, follow his example, these will be characteristics in our lives. There will be prayer. They'll be fasting. They'll be giving. And he says when you do it, and he goes through and says do it the right way. So religious people, the Pharisees, the, um, the religious leaders, they would do it as a show. Everything they were doing was for others to see. It was like everything's good on the outside, but he says, but you're missing the most important part. Your heart is far from, from what God is asking. And he kept telling them, don't miss this. And so today as we talk about generosity, I want to walk back a little bit and say, here is why it's so important that we catch this as we follow Christ. Um, and, and the reason I teach this is because um, when you capture and you understand the principles behind what God is asking you to do, you actually find joy in doing it because you understand the why behind these things. Um, whenever you just focus on the what and you don't understand the why, it just becomes rules, it becomes religion, and honestly, it's no fun. Um, if, if a student doesn't understand or a person doesn't understand that why there's a speed limit on a road, they just think it's a rule. But when you begin to understand why there's rules we're asked of us, it's to protect ourselves, protect others. We understand, okay, there's, there's a purpose behind this. It's not just a what. It's not just a rule. It's not just a law. But there's something behind it. And so it's the principle. What are the principles behind these things that we find in Scripture? And today we're going to talk about that. Um, I love when people are on this journey with God, when they, when they discover this, this principle in the Bible. Uh, because it begins to change and transform something that's deep within us. Uh, when, when generosity and, and understanding why God asks us uh, to, to give part of our lives to him and service to others, and part of what we value a lot of times most um, is, is the hard work we do and, and the resources that we get from that. He says, when you, when you honor me in these things, and things change. So let's, let's look at Jesus' what he said in Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 19-21 says, um, Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moth and corroded by rust, um, or worse, stolen by burglars. But stockpile treasures in heaven. Like store treasures in heaven. Store treasures in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be and end up being. So God is saying, he's saying, all right, so on this earth, you're going you're gonna to gain wealth. You're going to gain possessions. Um, but what he's saying is that stuff doesn't go with you. It stays here. It passes on to somebody else. So everything you hold of value at some point when you die, it goes away. It, it, it's no longer yours. You can't take it with you. He says, so instead of making life all about what you can do here, why don't you begin to send something ahead of you to heaven? And, and, and really the principle behind this is not just sending money. He's saying, would you, would you use your life to make an impact so that when you get to heaven, there'll be all kinds of people that say, thank you for using your life in such a way that made an impact in my life that I'm here in heaven. That's, that's really the principle behind this teaching Jesus is saying is use your life to be able to partner with God to make an impact on people here on earth. Use what you have to make an impact. Um, another translation says that wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So where your treasure is, that's where you find your heart. It's very easy. And I think one of the reasons that, that the Bible talks about possessions and money so often is because it's one of the easiest ways to identify really what you care about in life. Uh, I, I'll give you an example. If you would show me your check register, your checkbook, your checking account, it'd be very easy to identify what's important in your life very quickly. Why? Because wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart, that's where your values are. It, it, it models, it shows it. And so, so God is saying, so make sure that you do this in a healthy way. Be aware of it. Don't miss it. He goes on and says this in, in Matthew 6, 22. Your eyes are the window into your body. If, you're open, if you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. But if you live square-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. The idea here is, it's a Jewish idea that, 
that when you're when you live with with eyes wide open or a life that's that's open, it's it's a life that's generous. But when you live a life that squints, closed eyes, and close to the world, it's it's a life that that's greedy. It's a life that hoards, that keeps. I mean, you can do this just in your seat. If you would just squint your eyes, right? Just kind of squint them tight, and you look at your hand, and you look up. You can't really see what's out there, but you can see what's in front of you. It's kind of like he's saying, when you live a life that is just about you, it's kind of like, well, life is just about me. You miss out on what God really has and what he really wants. And in this teaching where he's saying, um, store up treasures in heaven, uh, make sure you, you understand where your treasure's going. It shows the value of your heart. shows where your heart's at. He's saying, live a generous life. In fact, he was on, and he's talking about how, what we value when it comes to money. He says, you can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration for one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. Another translation says you can't serve God and mammon. Um, mammon is an Aramaic word for the, for the Syrian God of riches. And so he's making this comparison that you can serve the real God or you can serve what, what a lot of our world does when it comes to the, to the riches and to, 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 to finances and to greed. He says you can choose. You can't serve me and you can't serve the love of money. You have to choose one or the other. And when you choose one, it's going to push against the other one. Um, and throughout, throughout Jesus' teaching, over and over, he's trying to get people to, to say, right, life is not just about here and now. And that's what you can't forget. It's not just about everything you can get for yourself right now. There's something bigger that's going on. And in this, you have to choose who are you going to serve? How are you going to use this? Uh, when it comes to, to money and finances, the, the most misquoted scripture uh, that I think that's ever been, been used has to do with money. Um, tell me if you heard this before. Have you guys ever heard this, that money is the root of all evil? Have you heard that? Yeah, there's a problem with that. The Bible doesn't say money is the root of all evil. In fact, it says, let me show you, in First Timothy 6.10, it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So money itself is not bad. Money is a neutral thing. Now, Jesus is saying you have to choose. There's, there's, when he's saying mammon or God, he's saying right, when it comes to money, there's, there's something that's attached to that. You use money as... A, a, a thing for yourself that's selfish and it's about greed or you say God there's something else that's here that you want me to use to redeem to, to bless to help others and, and there's this option before you how are you going to use the things in your life money uh, your talents um, your, your time which I think is probably the most va- uh, most valuable resource you have is your time he's saying how are you going to use this is it going to be all for you and about you or are you going to be a, aware that there's other people out there that there's, there's opportunities for you to use your life for good he says, so it's the love of money that produces. And he goes on and says, Paul to Timothy, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. Saying, and some people craving money, they've wandered away from the true faith. So he says, there's people that, that they chose, aren't them, and I want to go after this other idea of money of it's all about me, it's about greed, it's about holding on, it's about hoarding, it's about everything I can attain. Um, in fact, what's really interesting is there's a story Jesus tells about a man who his life was taken from him because of something he did. And the thing he did was he was greedy and he, and he only cared about himself. He built bigger barns. Um, and the idea of having more was not the issue. It was the fact that he ignored all the people around him that needed help. And he only thought about himself. And it says because of that, his life was taken from him right away. God has given this picture of saying, life is not just about me. Um, we are not the center of the universe. You know, as a kid, I don't remember when you learned that. I remember <laughs> I was probably in the second or third grade. Uh, I was home from school sick, and uh, I just thought everybody was home from school sick. I'm home from school sick. Everybody's home from school sick. And the next day I go to school, I'm like, hey, which is you yesterday? They're like, oh, we played these games. It was awesome. You missed out. I'm like, what? You played games without me? And I was so hurt. Like, it was the first 
died, I realized the world did not revolve around Eric. And it was, I tell you, it was a sad day in my life. So I thought everybody's homesick, and, and if, if I'm not having fun, then nobody's having fun. And it, they tell me all these cool things, so I'm like, that is so sad. I wasn't even here to enjoy that. But here's the realization. Some people haven't figured it out yet, and we think everything is about me, everything is about us. And God is saying, don't miss that. Don't miss, it's not about you. Um, see, when, when it comes to Jesus saying there's these two ideas, you, you can serve God or you can serve the love of money, you can serve greed, you can serve the spirit of mammon. Love love God or, or love money. So you have to choose. You can't do both. And, and he's trying to do something in this. Uh, see, in our life, in our world, I would say that um, mammon, it rules pretty supremely, right? We were born into a world of greed and, and, and where um, um, the spirit of mammon rules in our world, right? But when we become Christ followers, it all says that we're born again into a, into a different kingdom. We're born into something different. And so we might have been born into a world that was ruled by, by greed, but we're born again into a world that's ruled by God. And when we understand that, we begin to say, okay, there has to be something that changes here. And really it's a mindset. We can continue to think like the world thinks, or we can say, God, I want to begin to think like you think. I want to begin to see things the way you see things. And throughout Scripture, God is always saying, inviting people on this journey of saying, trust me, see it this way. This is the healthy way. This is a better way. Or you could follow greed and you could follow mammon. You could follow with, with popular culture. You can go that way. Um, and we need a new mindset. If we're going to be the kind of people God wants us to be with, invite him to lead us in this journey. Uh, in, in fact, Haggai, he talks about um, when you fall into this trap of thinking like everybody else and missing the point. Haggai says this. He says, give, give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought. He's talking to the people of Israel because they're neglecting God's commandments. They're not thinking. They're, just, they're trying to fit in with culture. They're going along with whatever else is doing. He says, you planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You eat, you earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Um, you might be in this room and kind of feel like that sometimes when it comes to finances. Like, man, I keep working, working, but it's like money just disappears, it goes away. This is what he's saying. When you when you operate in a, in a world that's opposite of God, you don't have the benefits that God wants to give and, and bless you with. Um, he's saying, I, I, I want... I want to take the place of this. Because here's the thing when it comes to, to, to greed and when it comes to this idea that even the American dream, sometimes we share, uh, when it comes to wealth, is, is money always promises things that it can never deliver. Um, and it, it always promises things that only God can give us. So, so money says, um, I'll give you happiness. And so we think if we have more money, then we'll have more happiness. We'll finally be happy. Um, if we had more money, then we would be more secure. But the truth is only God can really give true happiness. And only God can give true security. Because what happens when that money goes away? All of that stuff goes away if it's attached to it. It promises independence. Uh, more money promises the power or freedom. Uh, in some cases, respect. And we think if we had more money, then we'd have more respect and it would be better. But sometimes more is not always good. And God is saying, there's something that I want you to, I, want, I can really give you these things, but it's going to come around differently than what you think sometimes. And he invites us on this journey. And so Haggai is saying, give careful thoughts to your ways. Don't just get sucked in and and follow culture and follow the ideas. See, because if you learn money management from Visa, um, then you're going to be having, um, like he talks about, a purse with holes in it. You're going to always be paying out more than you think in. Uh, because there's the idea of, of Visa is you you borrow now and you pay it later. Um, it's 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 I'm going to play with what I want now and I'll, I'll 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 pay for that later. But the problem with that is every time we do that, we actually borrow from the future, right? And we bring it into the present, but then in the future, all of a sudden now we have a bigger bill because of interest, because of this stuff. 
And so depending on how you've been raised when it comes to managing your life or your finances, it will make an impact. In our culture, I'm going to put a number on the screen. This number represents the average credit card debt in the average family. That's the average credit card debt in America an average family has, $15,159. This tripled in the last 20 years, 17 years, 20 years. Since 1990, it was three times less than that. So it's tripled since then. I think part of it is because we've got Bonnet's idea that more of toys, more things will actually bring us happiness. And a lot of our society is actually built around conditioning us to think that if we have these things, we'll be happier. Advertisers, they're trained to essentially get in your mind and trick your mind and trick you into thinking and feeling something about these things so you'll go out and buy them and purchase them. That's just the way it is. That's how our culture is. A lot of things that we do feed into that culture and that process of saying it's about what you can have. It's about buying it now and paying it later. Playing now and having to pay for it later. And God is saying, I want that to change your life. If you want to be the kind of people that I'm looking for, you have to learn to trust me with this. Because this is not the kind of life God wants for us. He has something better for us. He wants to bless us and do something better with our lives than we can ever imagine. Here's one of the things I want to talk about. We give because it declares that God is first. The reason God asks us to give is not because he needs our money. Think about this. If God created everything, he owns everything, why would he need your money? He doesn't ask you to give because he needs your money. He asks you to give for your benefit, for my benefit. Because when we give, it does something in our lives that we'll talk about in a little bit. But here's the thing about the kingdom of God is it operates in the opposites a lot of times. The opposite ideas and things in our culture. So, for example, in our culture, somebody cuts you off, somebody does you wrong. It's not bad to give them back what they gave you. It's like, all right, they did me wrong. I'm now going to tell them off. I'm going to give peace of my mind. I'm going to get angry with them. Just you give and take. Whatever happens, you give. Well, the Bible says, as Christ follows, we actually should do the opposite of that. When somebody does you wrong, you should actually forgive. And you should pray for them. And you should actually bless them. Why? Because you operate in the opposite of that. You don't give evil for evil, which produces more evil. You actually give good for evil, which begins to cut off evil. And so you have to operate in the opposite of that. For people that want to have authority, they want to be the leader or the boss, you don't go and demand that. The Bible actually says, if you want authority, you have to get under authority. You have to learn to respect those that God has put above you and put in places to help you. And when you do that, you operate that way, God will say, all right, you're faithful of being under authority. Now I can give you authority. When you want to be first in life, the Bible says you have to be last. It means if you want to be really important, then learn to serve. The people that serve will be the ones that become first in the kingdom of God. If you really want to live, the Bible says it's the opposite. You have to die to self. And over and over throughout scriptures, God is trying to teach us, all right, if you don't follow popular culture, a lot of times you actually do the opposite of what you would think. You want to be blessed, you learn to bless others. You want to receive good things, learn to give good things away. And throughout scripture, over and over, God is saying you have to learn to operate in the opposite. So depending on how you learn to manage your life, it will affect affect how how you manage your finances, how you manage your time, what's important to you. Uh, But here's the principle. We give because it declares that God is first in our lives. Um, in, in, the, in the Bible, it's called the law of first mention. When something first happens, that happens, you want to pay attention? Because it's going to set the precedence for when, when that word comes open over and over and over without scripture. Great idea. And so the first time in the Bible we see, see giving, we see an offering, uh, it's actually a story of Cain and Abel. And in Genesis 4, 2 through 5, 
It says, now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a, was a tiller of the ground. So one worked with, with animals, one worked with, with the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. So um, Abel, over the process of time, he eventually brought this offering to God. Uh, Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So what's the difference here? God accepts Abel's, but he rejects Cain's. Um, it has nothing to do with animals and, and ground. It has everything to do with how they, how they brought it to God. All right, so, so Cain, it says, over a process of time, just over a while, he just began to gather here and there, and all right, I'm going to give you, here you go, God, here's part of my offering. But, but Abel, on the other hand, he brought the firstborn of his flock, and their fat. He, he brought the best that he could bring. And, and here's the thing with the firstborn of the flock, is when an animal has its first, for the firstborn, you don't know how much more animal it's going to have. So it's, it's, a, it's a statement of faith and trust in God, saying, all right, God, I'm going to bring you the best, because I know you're going to do something with the rest that comes, that follows. And so the principle is actually the principle of the first. Um, throughout the scripture, when it comes to offerings, it talks about a tithe and offerings. Uh, there's, there's a difference in the two. Tithe is it's the, it's the, uh, the first 10% of, of our increase, of what God blesses us with. And in the next, the next uh, book, Exodus, God says, every firstborn of your flock is mine. Like, you offer it as a sacrifice because it's mine. Well, essentially, what he's saying is, is, it all belongs to me. I'm trusting you with this, but I want you to bring that first part to me. And when you do that, I'm actually going to bless the rest. So whatever is given first actually redeems the rest of it. So when we give God a tenth of our, of our income, we're saying, God, we're going to ask you to bless it. And the other 90, 90%, he actually covers it and does something amazing that we couldn't do. And because Abel brought the best, he brought the first, we call it the first fruit, or the first offering. God, God honors that and says, you understand, you're putting me first. This is why Sunday mornings are so important, right? In our, in our week, when we come on Sunday mornings, we're saying, God, we put you first. Um, we sing worship songs. We sing songs that declare that God is good. Why? Because we're saying, God, it's about you first. I want to start my week off by putting you first. And here's the principle in the Bible. And so when God is saying he, he wants us to, to, to give part of, our, uh, of the income back to him, it's not because he needs our income. He wants to know where our heart is. And when we give him the first, we're actually declaring, God, you're first. I'm going to trust you with whatever you have. In fact, Proverbs says that when we honor the Lord with our wealth, with the first fruits of our crops, then our barns will be filled with overflowing, our vats will brim over with new wine. When people catch this for the first time, I love it because God always responds when, when somebody steps out in faith and says, God, I'm going to trust you. I don't understand all this all the time, but I'm going to trust you that you'll, you'll lead. In Malachi, uh, there's a point where the, where the people of Israel begin to, to turn away from, from the ways of God. And, and um, God tells the, Malachi to speak to the people as a prophet to tell them, all right, you're, you're doing things wrong. You're, you're missing it here. And in Malachi 3, he says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what ways have I robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You were cursed with a curse, but you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So God is saying, all right, when it comes to the first, right, he's saying that belongs to me. It's, it, so as, as Christ followers, what we have to understand is everything belongs to God. Like he created it. We're, we're just stewards. We're managers of what he gives to us. But when we, when we declare, God, you're, you're first in my life, he says, all right, you get it. I'll be able now to bless you more and, and, and help you accomplish more than you would have on, uh, without me. He says, in this, I want, I, want to, I want to help you to understand that I have a better plan. You know, I read a really sad statistic uh, about the United States. So Christians in the United States uh, uh, give 1.7% of their income away to God every year. All right? 
Uh, what's sad about that is, is God, God is saying, I want you to be generous. I want you to learn to pattern your life around trusting me with this. Um, so what, we, what we're doing, in, 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 and what's really great is God uses a lot of churches in, in, in the States to, to bless other nations, to bless other places. Uh, what you don't hear in the news is Christianity is growing in, in almost every nation around our world. There's only 20 nations that's not growing. The U.S. is one of those nations. Um, but just imagine this. If, if people that follow Christ caught the understanding of why it's so important, we can do five times more than we're already currently doing. Um, and we'd be able to do more. In fact, if only the Christians would, would tithe and, and be generous with their time and their, their, their resources, world hunger would go out the door. Like that would be a small, one of the smallest percentages that we would be able to take care of just off the bat. Uh, and then you begin to follow up other issues in our world. If, if just Christians caught the, the, the idea of being generous with their lives. But he's saying, don't, don't, don't rob me. And it's not my word. So God is saying the first belongs to me. And there's two things you can do with the first. Uh, you can return it to God, or you can steal it, is what, what Malachi is saying. And he's saying, trust me in this, because when you do it, and we'll see what, what happens. When you bring the tithes into the storehouse, that be the house of God, uh, there'll be food in my house. Uh, one of the reasons we give us opportunity for our church to give is because we want food in this house. It's not a physical food, although sometimes it is. It's a spiritual food where we can, we can um, help a lot of people come to know God. He says, try me in this. Test me in this, is the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings, that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. Uh, this is the only place that we find that God is actually telling us to test him in something. And in this case, he's saying, put me first, test me in this, and, and watch what I do with the rest of your life. Just trust me in this. See what happens. And I promise, when people catch it, they get this. Uh, growing up, I, I learned about tithing. It, it's just part of what we do because my parents, sincerity's parents, they, they understand the principle of the first, of giving God the first, of saying, God, we honor you with, our, with, with the first of our, of, what you've, of our increase, of what you've given us. And because of it, it's a part of our life. We see the hand of God in our life all the time. Because he says, watch, I'll open the windows of heaven, pour up such blessings there will not be room enough to receive. And then he goes on and says, and I'll even do more than that. I just bless you, but I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake, I will, I will, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fall to fail to bear the fruit of your field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delight, a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. He says, not only am I going to bless you, but I'm going to protect everything else that goes on. The devourer can't come and take from me because I'm going to protect it. I'm going to, I'm going to honor it. I'm going to bless it. So we give because it declares that God is first. And when we give, God blesses the rest. He takes care of it. He, it's, just, it's a part of, it's a, a faith statement that we say, God, we put you first, now we're going to watch what you do. What, what do you want to do in our lives? We're going to trust We're going to trust that you'll do that. Another reason we give is because God gave. Uh, God, we're generous with our lives, with our time, with our talents, with our treasure, our resources, because God is a generous God. In fact, if you want a summary of the whole Bible, I'd say what the best sentence that summarizes really who God is and what he's trying to accomplish in the Bible, it's John 3.16. It says this, that God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. It says that God loved the world so much. I would say the main verb in the Bible is give. It's generosity. It's who God is. He gives. He creates. He wants to share um, what he has with those that, 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 that need it. it. It's what God did. The motive is love. Um, God is the, is the subject of the Bible. Uh, we are the object, the world. That's people. So God loved us so much that he gave his best. In fact, Jesus, we're talking about the, the, the principle of the first, right? The first fruit, uh, the firstborn. Jesus is the type of firstborn. So throughout the Old Testament, all the, the commandments, all the stories, they're pointing towards the New Testament. They're pointing towards Jesus. 
So everything God gives us, it's trying to affect two things in our lives. It, it, he's trying to make our relationship with him healthy, and he's trying to make our relationship with others healthy. We get this picture of the cross. So in every, in every command in the Old Testament, God is saying, I want this to be healthy, and I want this to be healthy. When you follow my lead, and you understand why I'm asking you to do this, you're going to have a really healthy relationship with others and with me. And that's why God is asking us to do these things. He's saying, I want you to be able to have a healthy relationship with things. Um, and we give because God gave. In fact, when we give, we're the most like God at that point. When we're generous with our lives, that's when we reflect God to the world the most. Because God is generous. We also give because it helps others and it helps us. And what I mean by that is uh, when we give to others, they're free, but then so are we. Uh, we both become free. See, when God asks us to give, it's, it's not because he needs it. It's for our benefit. Um, see, one of the reasons God asks us to give because he wants to work two things out of our lives that, that tend to creep in. Uh, the first one would be selfishness. He wants to work that out of our lives. So what better way than to work selfishness out? By using your life to say, it's not about me, but I want to help others. The other thing he wants to work out of our life is greed. And in a, in a culture that is very materialistic, and it's about what you drive and what you wear and how much you have in your account, it, especially in that kind of culture, God is saying, be very careful that that doesn't capture your heart. Because before you know it, things will own your heart, and, and, and money will control you, and you'll stop controlling money. So be very careful. So when you put God first, he's saying, I'm going to bless the rest. Um, next, and next week, as we, as we talk about Feed One, the Feed One weekend, you know, we're going to have an opportunity to, to, to give and help kids get food. They don't have food. Um, one of the reasons we keep talking about it is because at our church, we never want you to feel pressured at all when it comes to giving, when it comes to using your life. We want you to, to be at a place where you give because you want to give, not because you have to. And so for weeks, we've been saying, pray about this, think about this, talk to your family. Uh, and Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, 7 when, it, when it comes to giving, he says this. He says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not, our reluctancy, reluct, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So he's saying you don't give in response to pressure. You give because you've decided to give. Uh, you come prepared. You, you, you do because you get to, not because you have to. Remember the principle. It's not just because God wants your money. It's because he's saying, I want your heart. Because yeah. if I have your heart, then we can do some great things in this world. But as long as I don't have your heart, you're going to struggle with the things you always struggle with because I can't do much in your life. And the principle of giving is saying, where is your heart? Where's your heart at? Well, show me if you value, and I can show you where your heart is. Show me where you put your time, where you put your energy, and I can show you where your heart is. Is all your time and resources pointing back to you? Well, then your heart is only about you. But if your time and your energy and your resources are pointing to other things, I can begin to tell you, you're not only concerned about yourself, you're concerned about others. So we don't give out of reluctance, reluctantly or response to pressure. We give because we're prepared. And that's really our heart for next week is don't give beyond what you can give. Um, pray and ask God, what, what is that place that he wants to help you to do? See, in, in, when it comes to offerings, the, the way God builds a church is through the generosity of the people in the church. Those that say this is my church, we give, and, and God uses that to multiply and do more with it. And we're good stewards with it. And then when it comes to offerings, he say, now, go give beyond that. Watch, watch what I do when, when, when you give beyond that. And we'll talk about that a little bit next week. Now, when it comes to giving, I'll, I'll, here's a couple resources. If you're in this room and you'd like to learn more about the principles behind this, um, Robert Morris wrote a book called The Blessed Life. Fabulous book. It just breaks down some of the things I talked about, gives some more examples, some more scriptures in the Old Testament and the New Testament to help you uh, learn um, what it is that God is trying to do through this when it comes to generosity and using our life for others. 
But if you're a business person, I would recommend to get this book called Pearls of the King by Lee Domain. Um, great book. God's gifted people with the gift of giving and the gift of business. where They can make it. Um, and if you want to know how God wants to use your talents and skills, if you're a business person, I would recommend you pick that up. It be a way to encourage you to, to see that God's gifted you to do what you do. Uh, not just so you can have, but so you can be a blessing to others. So that's another, another good book. Um, I'll go to the next one for me. Love giving. We, we want to be a church that's generous. In fact, it's one of, one of the core values that we said is we want to be generous. We said, God, we don't want to use our lives just for ourselves. We don't want just to, to use this life and spend it on me, but I want, to, I want to help as many people as possible. So as a team, generosity is one of those things that we do. Um, here's the thing with giving. Is, is A lot of times we talk about money because that's the easiest way to see where our heart is. But a lot of times giving actually will cost you nothing. A kind word, um, some, some, some of your time, some energy to, to serve somebody, to, to listen to somebody, to do something kind for somebody. A lot of times it's, we think and money is being generous, but it's beyond that. It, it, it's, it's how we see life. It's living our lives wide open, our hands open, saying, God, whatever you want to do, I do it. That's the kind of, of, of life God wants us to live. It's a life that's, that's saying, God, you, you, you lead me. Um, in, in Exodus uh, 13, there's, um, there's a, a portion of Scripture where God is telling the people of Israel, um, let me open this real fast. It's called the consecration of the firstborn. Um, people of Israel have been in slavery for 400 years in this story. 400 years they've been slaves to the Egyptians, right? Working, building, all their stuff. Uh, God's going to free them from slavery. And he says, what I want you to do is I want you to take the firstborn of your flocks. I want you to, to, to sacrifice them and offer them to me. All right? And then he says, I'm going I'm to lead you out. And it's going to be by the mighty right hand of the Lord that you're rescued from slavery. And then he says, as you go into the new land that I'm promising you and giving to you, a land of, of being free people, there's going to be this time where I'm going to ask you to, to, to offer the firstborn of your flock as a reminder of what God has done here. And in fact, in Exodus 13, it says, at some point, your sons and your daughters are going to come to you and say, Dad, why do we always kill the firstborn of our flock? Like, that just seems like a lot of waste. Like, we should save that and raise it and do more good with it. And at that point, you're going to tell your son and your daughter what God did for you that night when he rescued you from the, from, with my right hand from slavery. And you're going, to be, you're going to tell them, this is why, son and daughter, why we sacrifice the first of our, we give the God the first fruit and the firstborn, because it belongs to him. Because he did something amazing for us. And because he stepped into the picture, we are now free. We're free. And it's a joy and it's an honor for us to be able to do this. And God says it's going to be a continual reminder that as you give God the first, you're going to always be saying, God, it's you that, 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 that is first in my life. See, my family, we're teaching our kids um, how, to, how to put God first, how to be generous. So when they get gifts, when they make money, we say, all right, part, that, first, that first part, the first fruit, we're going to, we're going to give that to, to help God build the kingdom of God. And we teach them this. And at some point, they're going to say, Dad, why do we give the first part of our offering to God? Why is that so important? And see, it's going to be your time for me to tell, all right, all right, Joaquin, all right, Salo, listen up. All right? There was a time in your dad's life that I was a slave to sin. In fact, the Bible says I was dead because of sin. Like, my spirit was dead because I chose to do wrong. And because of that, I, I lived separated and far from God. See, the Bible tells us that God loved us so much that he sent his son to die on that cross in my place. And he gave his life so I could have a relationship with God. Right? And I begin to explain, I'm no, longer, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer stuck in the life that I used to have. I can now walk in freedom in Christ and in God. And because of that, because of his sacrifice, I now say, God, you're first in my life. 
And we give to remind us every single month and every single time we get, we get paid that, God, you're first in our life and we trust you. And what's great when I teach my kids this is um, I'm, I'm showing that it's, it's something that's beyond our culture. It's, it's, it's a principle that God is saying, if you will honor me with the first, I'll bless the rest. The reason I do it is because I, I believe that God's word is, it, it, it works and it is true. And he gives opportunities to use our life for others. And it's amazing how God shows up. And for my kids, I want them to do that. In fact, every year, beginning of the year, we send out letters to, to, to our, our people in the church that have given. My favorite letter to send is to my kids because they have a part where they say we're giving to God, we're putting him first, and we share, hey, this is what God's done this year. It's pretty amazing. And, and, and we bring them into this journey. It's a reminder. When we put God first, it's a reminder. Sunday mornings are reminders. God, we're putting you first because this week we want you to redeem the rest. See, see Jesus, when God said Jesus to die on the cross, what he's saying is, Here's my first. Here's my firstborn. I'm going to give it as an offering, as a sacrifice. God always models for us what he wants. He says, I'm going to give it as a sacrifice and offering. So Jesus dies on the cross. And, and whatever is given first always redeems the rest. And so when Jesus dies on the cross, he's actually giving it away back to God. And he's redeeming the other parts of us. In fact, the Bible says, because of Christ's sacrifice, we now become brothers and sisters of Christ. We're welcome into the family because of that sacrifice. And God welcomes us and says, you're my children. You're part of this family. Um, so whatever we give first always redeems the rest. So when, when it comes to our response to life, is God is saying, I want you to love giving. Not because you have to. It's not a tax. It's not a bill. It's not something you have to, but it's something you get to do. And when you do it, I promise I will respond in a way that, will, that you won't be able to even explain sometimes. Um, it's, it's amazing. So next week we're going to talk in the next part of this when it comes to um, being generous, when it comes to, to this opportunity for us to, to feed uh, kids. When, when we hear God clearly and we, we follow through, um, he does amazing things in our lives. And here's the thing. His blessings aren't always financial. Sometimes the blessings come in other ways that we never thought possible, that we could ever, that we could ever do on our own, and things that we never even dreamed that could happen. Sometimes they're relational. Uh, sometimes there, there, there are doors that open that nobody else could open. It's just amazing how God responds when we honor him and say, God, we want to put you first. Uh, so today, um, as, we, as we close the service, I want to give an opportunity for those that are here. And I talked a lot about uh, the principle behind why God says, put me first. Um, and there's some people in this room that God is not first in your life. Maybe it's a new idea to you. Maybe it's um, something that you never even heard about. When When... When we understand that God is inviting us into a relationship and we respond, um, he, he, always, he always helps us with the things in our life that we need help with. Um, in my life, when, when uh, things aren't right, when, when, I, when God is not first, and sometimes he's not first, um, God invites me and says, would you, would you return to me? Would you let me lead you in this journey? Your life will turn out much better. Um, and the Bible says that because, because of our choices, because of our sin, we're separated from God. That our relationships are broken with Him, and a lot of times it's broken with others. But God wants to restore and to fix and to help uh, rebuild the things in our lives. And so today, I want to give an opportunity for those that came, and uh, you're not, maybe you're not a Christian, or you're, you, you've walked away from God. Um, and today, you're, you, you want to ask God back in your life. You want to ask God to lead you on this journey. Uh, I'd love to lead, lead you to prayer. Our relationship with God, it's a, it's a very personal one between us and, us and Him. I love um, probably the most of any part of the service to do. Uh, because there's people that come 
every single week to our church that are looking for something different, something better, something they need. And it's my privilege to be able to introduce them to a God that loves them, loves you so much. Today you came, and it's not an accident. I promise it's not an accident. In your life, God has wanted to do something. The way we handle our lives just reveals where our heart is. And this is why the Bible talks so much about how we handle things, how we value things, and what we put first, and what we will make important in our lives. Because when we value the wrong things, we get the wrong results. And God is saying, make sure you value the right things to get the right results. And today, some of you have come, and for too long, you value the wrong things. And God is inviting you to say, would you give me your life so that I can help you value the right things? Because at the end of this life, when all is said and done, only those things that, that really matter, that are going to go on, really count. And God is saying, I want, I want you to focus on those things. What's going to last? Today, if you're here, and, and you would say, I need God to help me. I need God's help. I'm lost without Him. I'm in need of a Savior. I'm in need of, of His strong hand to rescue me, just like the people of Israel from slavery. Whether that's addiction to some kind of substance or addiction to yourself, God is saying, I want to free you so you can be a free person and live a life of impact and live a life that makes a difference on this world. So if you're here today, as I, as I spoke about putting God first, it'd be very obvious you'd say, I haven't put God first. But today I want to. This would be a great moment to start your, your day off, your week off by saying, God, I, I want you to be first in my life. God, forgive me my sin. I choose you. If that's you today, would you give me a favor? Lift your hand. I know you're here. Lead you in prayer. Awesome. See your hand. Anybody else? See your hands. our sins, if we acknowledge that we need God's help, He always responds with grace and with help. So if you're a Christian in this room, would you join us in praying with those that raise their hand as they pray? Today's prayer today is say, Father God, today, I need your help. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my wrong. I want to put you first. I believe you sent your son Jesus to die in my place. So I can have freedom. So I can have life. And I invite you today into my life. Make me a new person. Give me a new start. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Amen.